Are you alive? All right. It's great to be here. It's great to see some familiar faces and some new faces. Um, and especially, it's so wonderful to be in this atmosphere of praise, so atmosphere of worship. And I want to really commend all of you that from a young age, you are making a decision to make the Lord Jesus the first in your life. And you will surely not regret it. That I can assure you. Uh, tonight, I'm going to continue with the sermon series that we're busy with. It's called, in French, Emotions. <laughs> in, <laughs> in English, it's called Emotions. And last week, you've, you've touched on the emotion uh, of anger, and Nettie actually focused a lot on bitterness and unforgiveness. That, that the deep-rooted side of, of the emotion of anger. Tonight, we're going to focus on something else. It's called hurt. Some of you are familiar with the saying that says, hurt people hurt easily. Have you heard that before? Some of you are like, I've got no idea what this guy is talking about. Okay, It is a saying. Okay, But there's some truth in that saying. And that truth goes two ways. First of all, if you are a person that carries hurt in your life, it comes from somewhere, then you are easily hurt again. It doesn't take a lot to hurt you again. Does it sound familiar? Does it ring a bell inside of you? Well, the other side is also true. If you carry some hurt inside of you from somewhere, you easily hurt people around you. And you would not acknowledge that because you would say, no, but it's, it's I'm hurt. I'm the one that was hurt. And you don't realize that you are the one that's carrying the hurt. When I ask another question, um, whom of you are in a relationship currently, a romantic relationship? The romance is in the room, yeah, okay. <laughs> all right, it's all about relationships. So I just want to ask if there's, if there's any relationship yeah that doesn't at some point in time cause some level of hurt and pain? Or do you think the one next to you will never, ever trigger any pain in your life? You, we hope not, eh? Otherwise, you're not dating then. But the reality is that all relationships, at some point of time, we are subdued to that. We, we hurt one another. We trigger that hurt inside you know, good news for you, get married and see what happens then. It's wonderful. It's really asking Nettie. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. Can I tell you something else? You will definitely for sure trigger one another's hurt buttons. That's just how it is. There's no one that can come that close than your spouse and then you to your spouse. Okay, brace yourself. Is there any earthly relationship that doesn't at some point of time make you feel unsafe or unsure, that brings sort of a question mark. You know, it would be wonderful if none of our relationships ever makes us feel unsafe or unsure. Wouldn't that be a wonderful place? Sounds like kindergarten, hey? The reality is that in all relationships, at some point, you would, there's, a, there's a gap a question mark comes in. Suddenly you feel unsure. Yesterday, me and Anna, we were friends, and today I don't know. You know? She wasn't nice to me. You didn't greet me 
as warm as yesterday. What's going on? What did I do? And then we go into this whole big thing, don't we? Now, there's two levels of hurt, two different types. The one is hurt feelings. The other one is hurt, a hurting heart. What is hurt feelings? Hurt feelings occurs when, other, when we take others peop, other people's behavior personally. Like this example. Let's say Anna didn't greet me as friendly as she normally does. That's her behavior, but I take it personally. What do we call that? I take offense. Remember the old saying, offense is not given, it's taken. Okay, so a lot of the issues that we have in terms of hurt, we picked it up ourselves. That person is probably unaware completely that I've been triggered in such a humongous way and that I will never ever speak to her in my whole life again. Isn't that true? It's all up here, inside of us. Oh boy, if she only knew, if he only knew what he did today, just tell them, then they might do something about it. Okay. The other part is hurt, a hurting heart. Now a hurt heart occurs when people behave in an unloving way. That causes a feeling, uh, causes us to feel a core painful feeling such as loneliness, heartbreak, grief, helplessness. Wow, that's going much deeper now. This time it's not you picking up an offense on silly matters. This time someone is seriously doing something that's violating something in your life that is causing severe pain in your life. So what are examples of us getting hurt? One of the things is as a result of loss. Um, in 2020, I've lost my, my father. I spoke on it before um, through death. I also, when I was 12, I lost my granddad, whom I really loved. And I, forever I think, why did I only have that small time with my grandfather? He was the only person I felt on earth that really understood me. And I lost him. It causes deep pain, losing someone, losing something valuable. A disappointment. You get hurt when your expectations are not met. You've got a certain idea of how this December holiday is going to be and who you're going to meet and how you're going to look in that costume. And then by the end of November, that whole plan went south and you didn't go, you didn't fit into the costume, they didn't greet you, it wasn't as nice as you thought it would be and you were stuck in Pretoria and you sit in your flat very depressed. You're hurt. You know, so I'm making it likely, but we get deeply hurt. If you're a person like me, I'm, a, I'm more like a, um, how can I put it, an idealist. So I like to create an ideal world in my mind and, and in, my, in my contribution to this planet, I can make things better for people around me. But boy, do I get disappointed if those things don't materialize. It hurts. You have an expectation. Divorce. Hopefully there's not a lot of you that's been divorced already. But many of you sit here tonight coming from a divorced home. You know what I'm talking about. Not just the couple. Ask the children of the couple the, what the pain feels like when their parents doesn't fit, figure it out between themselves. Betrayal. Oh, we can use that word so, so lightly. I feel betrayed. She's not my friend anymore. She doesn't speak to me yesterday. You know, that whole thing. But sometimes, seriously, you have a close friend and they turn on you. 
they use some sensitive information that you share privately with, with them, and they use it against you. They belittle you. Abuse. I was sexually abused when I was a boy, and it throwed completely. It opened the door for sexuality and perversion, along with being bullied by my older brother, it skewed up my whole manhood. So I struggled with homosexual feelings for a long time, secretly. I struggled with my own identity, my person, my manhood. I struggled with my relationship with my dad. Talking about disappointments, I can carry on for the evening about my hurt. And so easily we can live from that hurt. And that becomes the definitive part of our destiny. If we don't do something about it, thank God I did do something about it. Okay, some of you are still like, <laughs> what happened? Who was it? When did it happen? Are you okay? I'm okay. Jesus healed me. Okay, abandonment, rejection. I can carry on. These are deep wounds. It registers a deep sense of hurt. Now, Brene Brown, I'm not sure if she's really a Christian or not. I won't comment on that. But as a psychologist, she wrote the book, um, Atlas of the Heart, and she groups certain emotions and experiences together in a very unique way. And she says, the places that we go as humans when we are hurting is we go to feelings of anguish. Do you know the feeling of anguish? That word already describes the uncomfortable, panicky, hurting emotion. It's like, it's the painful shock that registers in your heart. I can't believe what just happened here. And it's painful, and the pain won't go away. It's almost like being stuck in pain. Hopelessness. When you have a serious hurt in your life from relationships, some, somehow it darkens your mind, and all hope is gone. Why? Because in that moment, you think, is this how it's going to be forever? Well, in that case, what's the point? Despair. Can you see the downward spiral? This happens in your private room. No one knows that. You're in class. You're all smiley. But in your heart, you're in turmoil. The moment you get to your room, you're spiraling down. Sadness. Can't lift your shoulders. Can't lift your head. You might manage to smile when you're in a group. But your heart is heavy. And the grief just sinks in. That's where we go. So what is our human tendency? How do we deal with this as human beings now? I'm talking in the general. What do we typically do? The typical human response is emotional reaction. Did you know that? And that's our learned behavior. That's what our parents taught us, our grandparents, and even Adam and Eve. They all taught us this. The best attempts that we have to deal with emotions are things like the following. We withdraw. Well, in that case, I'm out. My dad used to do that in our home. That's called manipulation. If things didn't work out the way he wanted it to be, and you didn't comply, then he would say, well, in that case, I'm out. Then you have to do without me. Then your whole life falls apart because my dad is out of the equation. Please, dad, don't go. That withdrawal. You make people know that you're not going to participate anymore. You close down. Um, avoidance. Hey, there's an elephant in the room. Did you notice? There at the back. All of you are avoiding it. No one is looking at the back. Say, Seriously, there's an <laughs> elephant in the room. <laughs> okay, no, that was really a joke. <laughs> okay. 
But we are faced with serious things and we just blank stare. It's like we just avoid it. What do we think? We think if I can avoid it, it's going to be gone by tomorrow. It's too difficult. It's too complicated. I wanna deal, don't want to deal with that. We suppress our emotions. Have you ever tried to take a ball in a swimming pool and push it down and keep it there? It, you know, it's fun for a few minutes or seconds and then in the wrong time, at the wrong place, this thing just pops with a big splash. This is what happens when we suppress our emotions. We're not true. We're denying it. We're saying, this is not happening. I'm not feeling this. Pushing it down. I don't want to feel this uncomfortable feeling. And we go through life like this. And at the awkward wrong moment, it pops out. You lash out. And you feel so embarrassed with this sudden eruption of emotion. We can go to a deep place of bitterness and revenge. I can sum it up. Maybe there's two ways we can sum up our behavior. On the one side, we can become angry and we lash out on people and and, and what does it do it makes people take a step back oh, no i don't want to get closer to them so from a hurting place we go into anger and we start to treat people we mistreat people we lash out that's called aggression some of you sitting here and you're struggling in relationships because you become a very aggressive when things doesn't go your way and you don't recognize it comes from a place of hurt you're too proud to ac- admit the hurt because your ego has been built around this aggression on the other side we say i don't want to be that aggressive so all we do we just silent treatment i'll not speak to you again you got to beg me for my attention So what we do, that's called passive aggression. We're not lashing out. We're not kicking or screaming or swearing. But boy, we make sure we punish people by our absence, by our silence. We want them to be sure that they're missing out on something. It's called what? Aggression. It's just passive. It's the same aggression. You see, so these aggression behaviors, what are all these things that I'm explaining? It's all forms of self-protection. We're trying to protect this, the hurting self. Well, what's the result? People around us get hurt, and we remain stuck in the hurt. So my question is, is this working for us as human beings? Okay, I get the, the nod. It's not working. So let's get the scripture. Let's see how we should respond. So I need four volunteers, but I need you quickly. I need a Jesus in the house. Who can be a Jesus in the house? Quickly, on your feet, come. Can we uh, praise? Come. I need a Judas. Boo-hoo-hoo for Judas. I need two disciples of Jesus. Who wants to be a disciple of Jesus? Come, you two. Okay, let's carry this table to the front here. Yes, please. Judas, that's the least you can do. Let's take it a bit more. Yeah. Just like this. Okay, Jesus, you can sit here. And they're going to explain to us in what we read our Jesus. Okay, let's start. Matthew 26. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table. It looked like this. You sit here. Yeah. 
you can sort of lean on the table, yeah, like that. And everybody was also <laughs> reclining at the table. This is more like a feast in the Mideastern culture looks like. You're on the floor, you're at the table. Isn't it cozy? Come on, I want to be at that table. Uh, the word says, while they were eating, Jesus said, while they were eating, just like, hey, pass me the salt, pass me the... Jesus said the following, but don't, don't touch that bread yet. <laughs> Jesus said the following, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Yes, you guys are good actors, I must say. <laughs> you don't even need a prompting from my side, okay. So, the, the word says, they become sad among each other, and they start to ask the Lord one by one, surely not I, Lord. Imagine you were part of the twelve. Think about this. For three and a half years, every morning, <laughs> you wake up with Jesus there, the one we worship just now. You spent time with him every day for three and a half years. You witnessed what he did. You had these private conversations. I mean, they were the 12. They were the ones that were handpicked by Jesus. Every night you went to sleep and say, good night, Jesus. And he said, good night, Peter. Good night, Paul. See you tomorrow. Okay? How amazing is that? And then to sit around that table and Jesus says this, one of you will betray me. How do you think Jesus felt at that moment? knowing that there's a betrayal happening around the table. What is the emotion that you think is triggered in the heart of Jesus? Hurt. Just think about this. Jesus also knew that not just Judas would betray him, but every disciple will desert him at that critical moment. They will all run away for their life. He knew that. Can you... Can you imagine the immense hurt that he must have felt at that moment? It's so real. You would say, yeah, but it's Jesus. He knew it was happening before it happened. You know, sometimes you also know that something's going to happen. You've got that sense. You, you've got that feeling. And then it happens. It's called intuition. But Jesus is the Lord. He knew that. Now, he made it clear to them. He says, it's the one that dips his hand with me in the bowl. Now, I just brought a small bowl here, and you're not going to dip it right now, Judas. Hold back. Now, what they would typically do in a Mideastern culture is that you've got this bread, and then these would be like a olive oil, or there are maybe some bitter herbs, and something, and you dip the bread. Tonight, it's really good, hey? It's balsamic vinegar. So it's really nice. But it's the dipping. You take the bread, and you dip it in the bowl. And Jesus actually made it clear. He says, the one, he, he, he said to everybody, the one who dips his hand in the bowl, just pause for a moment. Hold back, hold back. I want to start by Judas. We just want to see what, what happened in Judas' life. How did Judas respond to hurt? And you're going to say, what hurt are you talking about? We are talking about the hurt of Jesus, aren't we? But you see, before this dinner took place, there was another dinner before this one. And at this dinner table, there was a lady that came and she washed the feet of Jesus. And she wiped his um, feet and then she poured out 
a whole bottle of expensive uh, fragrance, perfume. I'm not sh- sure about you. Have you been in one of these shops to see what the modern perfumes really cost? These bottles. Expensive. Anyway, she, she poured it out on Jesus. And then the Bible says the disciples were arguing about it. And they said, Jesus, but sure, what a waste. We could have used this money better. We could have sell, we could have sell, sold the um, perfume, take the money, and give it to the poor. I mean, come on, they are good social responsibility leaders, are they not? Do you know who was the one who really made the comment that night? Judas. The Bible says Judas was the treasurer, and he had access to the money. And the Bible says it was not because he cared for the poor. It was because he knew. Here goes the money. Here goes my opportunity. It's a lot of money going to waste. I could have used something for myself. And in that night, Jesus corrected him and his disciples. And he said, no, you'll always have the poor with you. This woman has done this, has done this unto me. This was the event that has caused Judas to make a decision to betray Jesus. Why? Because he got seriously offended by Jesus. He didn't like it at all to be corrected. He didn't like it at all that Jesus actually brought truth to the matter. That Jesus actually told him, no. You know, sometimes we want to worship Jesus, but you don't like the Jesus that brings truth into your life. That says, no, you will not do that. This is not good for you. This is not right. What do we do with that offense? Now, what did Judas do? First of all, he sabotaged his relationships. He gave it all up. Secondly, he suppressed his emotions. If he was so seriously triggered by offense that he would eventually betray Jesus and hand him over to the pagans, to the Gentiles, then we see something strange at the table. He responds to Jesus. He says, surely not I, Lord. Haven't we all done that before? You are seriously triggered by someone. You are highly offended. But you greet them as if there's nothing wrong in the world. You won't make them believe that you are actually the one being so agitated. You're suppressing his emotion. Instead of just being real with Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm upset with you. Why did you say no to me? And then he surrendered his will to sin. You see, at this table, he still had an opportunity to make a different decision. You see, that's a grace period. And he didn't make use of that grace. He went through with it. And, but, you, knew, you know, we can crucify Judas tonight, but Judas was just acting in the ancient way of the humans. From the first human beings, we see it in example of Cain and Abel, the first two sons, the fruit of Adam and Eve. These two boys brought offering to the Lord, like tonight. They were worshiping. And to the one, God says, I'm pleased with you, I'm pleased with your worship. To the other one, God says, Mm-mm. sorry, no. Cain got highly offended. With whom? With God. 
why did you not accept my offer? And he was, the Bible says he was angry, but he was downcast. His face was downcast. He was sitting like this. He was basically moping, you know. Interesting, in, when we tell the story of Cain um, and Abel, we typically go like this. They brought the offering. His offering wasn't accepted. He got angry, and what did he do? He beat his brother, and he died. But you know, there's something happening in between. Before that happened, when he was just sitting like this, God came and had a conversation with him. Did you notice that? And God said to him, hey, what's going on? Why are you so downcast? God didn't say, because you are so angry, I'm judging you today, thou shalt not have that emotion. God did not say that. And he explained to him, and then God explained to him, he brought truth to him, he says, but I need to tell you the truth. If you don't do what is right, and then God said to him this, he said, but now, now that you are triggered by this emotion, now that you're sitting here where you are, downcast and angry and hurt and offended, watch out. Sin is lying and it's looking at you. It's ready for you. It wants to devour you. Can you see the grace? It's not the emotion. It's the emotional reaction. And God brings grace and he says, Cain, you need to think what you're going to do now. What did Cain do? He ignored me. Instead of being honest with God to say, I'm so upset. Here's my hurting heart. He ignored him and he went on. Emotional reaction and he killed his brother. So what did he do? He sabotaged his relationships. He was actually... Um, Expelled from his community. He suppressed his emotions. He's not in touch with his emotions. And he surrendered his will to sin. So isn't that the way we as humans deal with hurt? Is that the way that you maybe deal with hurt? To what degree are you sabotaging relationships around you? Because you don't want to let go of the hurt. You will rather hold on to the hurt than to the person or the friend. Are you maybe suppressing your emotions? Or are you in touch with it and dealing with that in the presence of God? Or are you surrendering your will to sin? Now I'm asking this question, what if Jesus that evening decided to act from emotional reaction? What if Jesus decided, well, in that case, I'm out. I'm withdrawing now. I'm going back to heaven. Where would we have been tonight? Okay, just stay, just stay. Where would we have been tonight if Jesus made that decision? What if he lashed out to Judas and say, Wow, you stupid Judas. What if he lashed out in anger? What if Jesus went the way we deal with emotions and actually not dealing with it? What type of unstable gospel would we have inherited by this Jesus? You see, thank God he didn't act in the way that, that his ancestors taught us. Jesus is the new Adam that came to set a new stage for us to say, I'm, I'm resetting everything for you. In me, I'm giving you a hope for relationships. There's a new way of dealing with it. So let's see now in the scripture what's happening. The Bible says, while they were eating, okay, Jesus took the bread, okay, gave thanks, and he broke it. 
Now I want to explain it. As Jesus is breaking the bread, can you see what's going on? The hurt is already registering in his heart. He knows about the betrayal. So if the scripture says, while they are eating, you can just as well say, while the betrayal is still going on, the plot is still going on, Jesus continues to break the bread. He doesn't stop. He's not exiting from this very vulnerable relationship. He's not closing off. Can you see that? He's opening up by breaking the bread. He's giving of himself. Because still, while he's hurting on the inside, imagine how difficult that is. Now, and he says the following. He says, take it. This is my body. And in that way, it's now becoming personal. It's not just a piece of bread. He says, take some of me. Then he took the cup. <clears throat> gave thanks and he offered it to them and he's saying to them drink from it all of you this is my blood of the covenant mark what jesus does here jesus could have decided because he knew who's going to betray him he could have said not you but you but what he did he says drink of this cup all of you because i know in my heart all of you will desert me also. But I remain open for all of you. My covenant is still in place for all of you. Can we say thank you, Jesus, for that? To the right Jesus. Okay, let's give him a hand. Thank you, everybody. So then they sang a song. You didn't have to sing. And they went to Mount Olive. And then something happened. They go, went to the, uh, the garden called Gethsemane. And he took Peter and John and James along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Wow. A Jesus that is in touch with his emotions. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Have you ever been so hurt by someone or something happening that the only thing you can think of is to die? I have been hurt like that in relationship. I have suffered from a relationship that, en that ended me, that, uh, me ending up in a two-year pit of depression. And I just wanted to commit suicide. Because it was just so painful. For me, this is authentic if Jesus says, my heart is overwhelmed with sorrow. And it's not just the betrayal of Judas. It's the whole brokenness of the world that, that suddenly hits him. And he has to deal with that broken heart. But the beautiful thing is he's sharing that emotion with these close friends. And then he goes a little bit further. He leaves the three behind. He goes a bit further. And he prays to the Father. And he says, Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. It's unbearable. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? To say, Lord, I can't handle it anymore. It's too painful. But then he prays this very important sentence. He says, yet not as I will, but as you will. And there everything changed. You see, Jesus came back from there to the three disciples and he, he met them there. He woke them up and he says, um, look, 
the hour is near. I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. And he actually said to them, rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. That's the language of a person that's ready for action. He's ready to face whatever needs to happen there. It doesn't sound like, like a, a, um, a wimpy Jesus, you know. Someone that wants to run away facing them. He doesn't want to not face the music, eh? So Jesus is ready. How can he be so ready? Waking up his disciples say, come on, boys. Come, let's be ready. The moment is here. You can only be so ready to face those who betray you, those who hurt you, when you had the moment with the Father. When you had a moment of surrender where you said, Lord, it was so painful, my life is messed up, and I've got all these reasons why I can be angry and bitter to everybody around me. I've got this long list of people that I will never ever forgive in my life, but yet not my will, but your will. So I'm taking this list and I'm chucking it away. And I'm giving you this painful heart of mine. And when I'm giving you this painful heart, I'm not just giving you my heart, I'm not just giving you my pain, I'm giving you my entitlement to hold on to the pain. I will no longer hold on to it, even if I can rightly do so. I surrender also the right that I claim to myself for um, punishment, for retribution, for taking action. I'm surrendering it all. Your will be done. Now you are in control. Let's get back. Let's go face what we need to face. So to summarize, what did Jesus do? He did three things. First of all, when he shared the bread, he broke the bread. He says, this is my body. This is my blood in the cup. Jesus strengthened his relationships through covenant. When relationships were put under pressure by hurt, he kept going for the covenant. He says, let's stay together. From my side, we're going to stay together. Maybe from your side, you want to exit. But from my side, we're going to stay together. You are still welcome at my table. How beautiful that is. Secondly, Jesus shared his emotions appropriately. You know, in our culture, maybe in the Afrikaans culture, definitely there's this whole thing about a man is not supposed to cry. Men don't cry. Oh, yeah, just let the box win. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. Okay, fuck, you know. <laughs> then we cry, okay. <laughs> but what Jesus did, this was a manly thing for him to cry. You know, he was at his friend's burial, at the grave of Lazarus. He even knew that he's going to raise him from the dead. He knew the end of the story. But he was so affectionate for his friends. The Bible says, you know the shortest sentence in the whole New Testament? You know that verse. Okay, I'm preaching to the choir here. The choir said, Jesus wept. Beautiful verse. One of the most beautiful verses. That means God became a man weeping. God is not a God from afar who's got no idea what's happening here on earth. God is not a God from a distance who doesn't care and doesn't worry and, and pity us from above and say, oh, I feel so sorry for you down there. God is a God that came down becoming a man to say, I'm walking in your shoes. I know what it feels like to lose a friend. 
I know what it feels like to be betrayed by someone I thought I could trust. It's painful, I know. I have compassion with you. But what Jesus did in sharing that emotion appropriately is he was sharing that intense emotion with his few close friends. Here's my question. Who are the three people that you will phone if something bad happens in your life? Do you have those three people that you can say, I need to see you right now. My heart is overwhelmed with sorrow. Or are you going to wait until something happens and then blame everybody because no one was there for you? But you never built that to friendships. Jesus built for three years on these friendships. So in this moment, he could draw on that friendships and say, I'm sharing my heart with my friends now. That's what we do with, with these type of emotions. We share it. And then Jesus surrendered his will to God in prayer. So what's the result? Now we see, beautiful verse, Jesus hanging on the cross. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I thought about that verse, and that was almost the verse I wanted to preach on. And something bothered me, because sometimes as church people, when we know that someone is hurt, what do we say to them? You must forgive. Oh, who hurt you? My father. You must forgive your father. And that's true. You know, if you're not dealing with your emotions, if you are sabotaging your relations constantly by your self-protective behavior, if you're not surrendering your will to the father, you're going to struggle to forgive. You know, Jesus didn't wait until he was on the cross and they hit the first nail to say, am I going to forgive, yes or no? Let me decide now. That's what we do. Then we have an excuse. Oh, it's too painful. You know, Jesus made the decision when he was still in the garden. He already made the calculated decision. They're going to hurt me. They're going to hurt me so bad. It's going to be so painful. I'm choosing now to forgive. Can you see, when you surrender your heart to God, it becomes so much easier to say, forgive them. Forgiveness flows from a place of surrender, not the other way around. So how do we respond to this? The good news is that God became man and he lived the life that we should have lived. You know, we mess it up. We don't get it right. But Jesus did. And that gives me hope. And Jesus says, now that you are in Christ, you are a new creation. There is a new way for you. That gives us hope for all the, all the couples here that's engaged and married. There's a lot of hope for you tonight. Because there's a new way. There's a lot of hope for families here, brothers and sisters. There's a lot of hope for us as a spiritual family because we are in Christ. It's a new way. To recap, Jesus strengthened his relationship to the covenant when it was put under pressure. He shared his emotions appropriately and then he surrendered his will to God in prayer. So if we, if we have to ask the question, how do we then respond to hurt? Here are the three things. Keep your table open. Stay open, stay connected, stay in covenant, stay in covenant in church, stay in a community of believers. 
stay around the communion table, stay together, strengthen your relationship through covenant. Covenant makes us secure. Human beings make us insecure, but covenant makes us secure. Secondly, share your emotions appropriately with close friends. Allow them to see into your soul. Be honest. If you face, sometimes when I battled with extreme pain, I wanted to die. I say to close friends and say, I felt I just want to die. There's no shame in that. It's just an indicator of how bad the pain was. And then lastly, surrender your will to the Father so that you can act in a different way. Let's close our eyes. <clears throat> I would like us to be serious about this moment and respect one another. I don't want us to look around. This moment is not meant to put anybody on a spot or to add any more pressure to what you're already experiencing. But I do want to extend an, an invitation. If you are here tonight, and while I was preaching, the sermon somehow touched a nerve. You could recognize the hurt inside of you. You could, could recognize maybe the way that you are behaving, and you could see that you're acting out of hurt, and you are hurting people. And you say, God, I'm struggling with dealing with this emotion in my life. I'm messing it up. I'm, I'm, I'm like Cain. I'm like Judas. I don't get it right. And you want to come and just surrender your heart. Won't you just quickly stand on your feet so that we can pray? Thank you. So we're going to just listen to the song, just a chorus. And as we sing this chorus, as we reflect on the words, I will pray for you. But tonight is an opportunity for you just to stand in God's presence with that hurt inside of you. And I just want to invite you to open up your heart before God and say, God, here I am. I'm surrendering that emotion to you. then I want to challenge you now to let go of that pain. Let go of the entitlement. Let go of whatever you are holding on to, the grudge, the bitterness, the list of accusations, the pain, the memory. Let it go now. Let it go now. So Father, I pray in this moment for every person that's standing, Lord, that you will minister to them right now, Holy Spirit. 
I pray that you will help them lift the burden. I pray that your Holy Spirit will come and minister hope into their hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will give them a new hope for relationships, Lord. I pray that you will come and bring comfort to the pain that's so difficult to express. But I pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, that you will just come right now and minister to every person that stands. Bring healing into the brokenness of our hearts. Strengthen us, Lord. Strengthen us. Strengthen us in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. We're going to continue our last part of the service by participating in communion. And I'm just going to read this and I'm going to speak this over us. And then I want to encourage us tonight do not come and participate on the table as an individual. In other words, privately. Do not just come as a, let's say, engaged couple or a married couple or in a relationship. Group, make a group of three to four or maybe five, not seven, three to five people. And in that, it's going to be a symbolic spiritual act, a declaration to say, we will participate around this table meaning we will stay together. Doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter who gets hurt. We will deal with it, but we will stay together. This is what we're going to do. But when Jesus broke the bread, he said, this is my body broken for you. There is a promise. When his body was broken, he is promising to us the gift of healing. The Bible says, by His stripes we are healed. And the healing is spiritual, it's emotional, and it's physical. It touches every part of, of us. So tonight, you can trust God by participating in the communion that you can hold on to this promise that His brokenness brings you healing. And then when He took the, the cup, and He says, drink, this is my blood shed for you. He says this, holds a promise of forgiveness of sins. And then Jesus used the word covenant. He's basically saying, this blood brings you in an eternal, secure relationship with God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Nothing can ever make you insecure in that relationship. So when we participate, this promise is for you. That through the forgiveness of sins, you can have that eternal security in covenant. Let's participate.
done praying we're just gonna go into the song of response where we're just gonna sing a song of repentance that I'm sorry and coming back to the father saying Lord I just want you I just want to be with you I want to be in your presence just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. And I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything, more than anything that you do. I just want you. Let's sing, I want you. I just want you. And nothing just gone through the motions. I'm sorry. When I 
Just one. 